Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. The title of my sermon this morning is called Take the Land. Take the Land. Now, I don't exactly know all the details of what's happening. I'm not so much, I'm not so much talking about physical land this morning. Although when the spiritual part of something is touched, it has an effect on the spiritual and on the physical as well. I'm really talking about when I say take the land, not so much in buying the land next door or whatever God has for you in that way. But when I say take the land, I'm really talking about taking the land spiritually and taking new territory in what God wants to do in your ministry. Take the land. Take the land. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your benevolence, which is extended to us. Father God, we get a sense that you're looking for vessels that you wanna use for your glory and for your purposes. And we say, Lord, in the words of Isaiah, here we are, send us. And so, Father, we thank you for your word, the word that never returns empty, never returns void. Father, it goes out to accomplish what you've set it to do. And we, Father, we thank you for the angels that hearken at your word, ready to minister. We thank you for what is released when the preaching of your word comes forth. So, Father, do what you do today. Have permission, speak to us, open up our hearts and let the word penetrate deep for the word of God is alive and active. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, bone and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Do what you want to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 14, what we're up to, speaks at a time in Israel's history where they were taking the land. They were the recipients and it was a culmination of the land now being received after many, many hundreds of years of the first promise that was given to Abram. And it's about the Hebrews taking hold of their inheritance. Now, as I was sitting in the Scriptures, I look at this word inheritance and I can't skip by too quickly because this inheritance word is just so deep and so wonderful where it speaks of something being given and something that has been promised and something now that is being realised by the people of God. An amazing part, an amazing season in the life of the Hebrew people where God was now giving to them what had been promised generations before. Incredible, I call it the gap. Anyone know the gap? When you've been given something by God, from God, and you've got this gap to say, God, you've given me something, but it hasn't been realised yet. And there's a lot of confusion and a lot of pain in that space and a lot of soul searching and a lot of reflection because we have been given a taste of what's possible in God. He's spoken to us. He's given us His Word. We know the promises of God and yet there's this gap. But the Hebrews now were receiving all that was promised so long before. 
And so not skipping by this word of inheritance too quickly, we read in the opening verses, I think it is on the screen, chapter 14. Now these are the areas the Israelites received as an inheritance in the land of Canaan, which Eliza the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the heads of the tribal clans of Israel allotted to them. Their inheritances, there we are, were assigned by lot to the nine and a half tribes as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Moses had granted the two and a half tribes their inheritance east of the Jordan, but had not granted the Levites an inheritance among the rest. Scripture says that the Lord himself was the Levites' inheritance. For Joseph's descendants had become two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. The Levites received no share of the land, but only towns to live in with pasture lands for their flocks and herds. So the Israelites divided the land just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And as I was reflecting on this word and the gap and the process and the time from when the promise was first given, I couldn't help but realize, I couldn't help but be mesmerized and impressed by the fact, and it's my first point this morning, that when God promises something, nothing can thwart the plans of God. Nothing can thwart the plans of God. And I just want to encourage just in this first point this morning, I hope that it speaks to someone, because if you go back to when that promise was given to Abram before his name changed to Abraham, He was from the land of the Chaldeans, from the land of Ur, and God came to him and he was a polytheist, which meant that he worshipped other gods. And God came to him and called him by name. And he says, Abram, I want you to go to another place, another land of which you know nothing of. Some commentators say that Abram lived in a double-story house with running water. Who would have thought? And God said, I'm gonna take you from that place of comfort and I'm gonna ask you to live not in a double story house with running water in and from that place of comfort. I'm going to move you into a tent and I'm asking you to live in a tent for the rest of your life. And you read it in the uh, chapters 12 to 15 in Genesis where God came and he made a covenant. He came and made a promise to Abram and he says, hey, it was a three-pronged promise. And he says, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna make you into a great nation. I'm gonna come, I'm gonna give you a land. And the third one is I'm gonna come and I'm gonna bless you. Now, Abram, we read in Romans 4.20 that it says, Abraham, he believed the promises of God and was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. And so by him believing, God took that and gave him the promise, this covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. Now, he wasn't a perfect man because we know that he lied. I was thinking about all the things that could have stopped the promise of being fulfilled. I was thinking about all the things that could have stopped this inheritance from happening. We look at Isaac, he was a liar too, he lied. We look at Jacob, he was a deceiver with Esau. He loved Leah, the 10 sons. Well, he didn't love Leah, he loved Rachel first, but he still had 10 sons with Leah, just saying. And so we come and then we find the nation of Israel in trouble because there was a famine. And they're in starvation. But what did God do? Think of God. Think of all the plans of God. God raised up a man named Joseph to save the nation. 
And then you had this cowboy called Pharaoh. He wouldn't let the people go. And he raised up a man called Moses, but he killed a man and he was in the desert for 40 years. And then they finally got released and they ran into another barrier and that was the Red Sea. And God says, lift up your arms, Moses. And then they came into the wilderness and what did the people do? They made a golden calf and they rebelled against God and Moses hit that rock too many times. Then they had to come and cross the flooded Jordan River and then Achan took the gold, all these things happened. And I just stand back, I think, God, when God says something way back here, there's nothing that can stop or thwart the plans of God. I just believe it. Not that I've experienced it, I'm in the middle of it, but I've come to understand and realize that God is faithful. Oh, dare I say it, even when we're not. Oh, Lord. And just an encouragement there for this inheritance that was finally being realized here, nothing can stop no demon, no witch. I don't know where I was thinking, do the hills have witches up there? You know, do the, do the, are there witches around? I don't know. Where if they have witches up here? No witch can stop the plans of God. No mountain, no giant, nothing can stop the plans of God. It says in Revelation that he opens doors that no one can shut and he shuts doors that no one can open. And I just, I was sitting on this and I got a bit excited because I thought, Lord, you've got great things. You've promised great things. You've spoken over Hills Baptist. You've spoken over churches. You've spoken over families and you're gonna get the job done because he's a good God. He's a good God. It's gonna come through. And I, and I was thinking, even if we don't see it in this lifetime, God is still faithful. He is a generational God. He would just keep bringing through what He said, what He's promised. He's got something in His heart and He's gonna accomplish it because no one can thwart the plans of God. It's awesome, isn't it? God's awesome. Praise God. And so there's another point and another idea that speaks to us after we come to understand about God's plans not being thwarted and it's this and it's on the screen I think number two if we want to progress we have to fight take the land if we want to progress we have to fight now this I admit might sound provocative to us because in the New Testament, the scriptures speak to us and it says, hey, to be kind and loving. And if someone slaps you, turn the other cheek. And it says, bear with another with patience and forgiveness. And then all of a sudden you're hearing this thing of fighting and battles. And it's like, how do we understand the old from the new? And so I say to my church often that the Christian life is best described as a journey, perhaps as a, a, a path, a race, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. But I like to think of it, I like to think of it as a battle, as a fight. The Apostle Paul said it in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, he says, I have fought the good fight. He says, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now, I want to propose something to you. I need us to, to hold on to this. The book of Ephesians is likened to the book of Joshua. 
And so in Ephesians chapter one, it says that you've received every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Oh, you should read about what it says in the first few verses of Ephesians. It talks about the fact that He chose us and He's redeemed us and He's restored us and He's predestined us and He's shown the glory of His mysteries through Christ Jesus. He's saying, you have gotten everything. And the book of Ephesians, if you follow the W's, it speaks about the wealth of the believer. We've been given every spiritual, uh, spiritual thing in Christ Jesus. And I tend to think, well, Lord, if you wanna throw in stuff, physical stuff, land, houses, that's up to God. But I'd like to think that if blessing is just thinking that it's physical things, we've missed the mark a little bit because God's saying, hey, it's more than physical things, it's spiritual things. I say that because in the Old Testament, if you were blessed, it came down to how many donkeys you had, how many camels you had, how much sheep and oxen you had, how many kids you had. In fact, particularly boy, little boys, because they carried on the name, that spoke of blessing. But you come into the New Testament and it moves from the physical to the spiritual. Beautiful. He's going, hey, you've, you've already got every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so we come through Ephesians, the wealth of the believer, the worth of the believer, the wedding of the believer, and you get to chapter six, fascinating, and it speaks about the warfare of the believer. Put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet shotted with the gospel of peace, all these things. And the question is, even though we've received every spiritual blessing in Christ, what's the point of the weapons we've been given? And I wanna to propose to you this morning that if you don't fight, you don't progress. The fact that it's got armor, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. And you might say, well, Jeremy, we've just heard about the cross, the victory of the cross. Everything's been done. The battle's been won at the cross. I say, amen, brother. Amen, wonderful thing. But the, the deal is that even though it says that we still have to fight in some way, we still have to put the armor of God on because we have been assigned to a battle. And the point is this church, and we'll drill down into it a little bit. If we're not prepared to fight, we won't progress. We won't progress. You see this theme of warfare right through Scripture. You see the Israelites coming through and God says, I will give you the land. But you know what the, God, the Lord was saying? He says, you've still got to rock up for the fight. You've still got to be in it to win it. And so they got around the first city, Jericho. And God says, I'm going to give you the city, but you've still got to do something. You've still got to march and you've still got to shout and you've still got to be obedient and you've still got to step out in faith and you've still got to exercise what Christ has given to us even though God had promised the land. Awesome. 
If you don't fight, you don't progress. And we read in scripture where God left some enemies in the land. It got me thinking. Read about it in Judges and he left a couple of kings as they were coming through the Transjordan before they got into the promised land. God left some enemies in the land to teach that generation how to fight. Because that generation didn't know warfare before. And I got thinking, I got thinking, I'm saying, Lord, I thought everything gets removed when I get, become a Christian. But God's going, no, maybe I will leave something in the way to teach you how to fight, to get strong. Maybe God has allowed some things so that you would understand the weapons you've been given spiritually. I used to sing a song I grew up in uh, Cootamundra Baptist Church. I think Dave's paid me out, just the Cootamundra Baptist Church. And, and I was the bunny where the pastor would come along and say, can you be on the overhead projector? Remember those old overhead projectors? And I was stressed because I thought if I missed the point, everyone turns around and looks at me. And, and from a young age, God was depositing something in me. It was, it was the word of God. I had to listen, right? When you're on the overhead projector. And, uh, and that's where God started to speak to me. And that's where God started to, just call me like, like Samuel. It's just like I couldn't get away from his word. It's just I had to listen. And we used to sing these songs. I was reflecting on some of the songs. Remember the old hymn, There is Power in the Blood? Would you, and the old 2 4 beat, Would you be free from the burden of sin? There is power in the blood. Oh, I had no idea what I was singing about. I was young. There is power, power. Got into the chorus. There is power, power, power. Wonder working power. And we had our pretend guns out. And we're shooting power, power. We had no idea. And then we used to sing this song. It comes from Psalm 16, 18, somewhere there. It says, it is God who trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend above bronze. I'm thinking, what are we singing about? But there we are. We, we, we enjoyed the, the church that we had. So I sang, we got involved. My brothers and I were there. And, and I had no idea, but I've come to learn now a little bit about the battles that we find ourselves in as Christians as we seek to go about taking the land. I started in ministry, I was driving back one day from church and we had a good service. No, nothing went terribly wrong, but I was lamenting. I was sort of probably complaining to God. I said, Lord, what, why is this ministry thing so hard? I was, it was almost like Jeremiah, Lord, you've tricked me. <laughs> you've deceived me. And, and, and God, I was just laying out my heart. I said, Lord, why, why, why is it so hard? Every time you try and step forward in something and take new things and take the church forward and people and councils and all these things. Why is it so hard? And, and I'm not a so super spiritual, but the Lord spoke to my spirit, which I'll never forget. And, and, and now I want you to understand, this is loving Jesus, kind Jesus, carry burden Jesus. And you know what he said to me? He said, after me complaining about the battles we're facing, he said, get used to it. <laughs> he said, just get used to it. I thought, man, that's not what I was expecting. It just was in my spirit somewhere, like, get used to it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm and, and that's what I, I, I expect battles, but I expect victory. And so whether that's, whether that's facing the council for council approvals or neighbours who doesn't want a church in the area or people who won't move or families or, or situations like, mm, God, I know there's giants, I know there's mountains, I know there's things, I expect that now. I'm just, just waiting for that next thing. You know, be on guard, stay alert in the spirit, all those things. But I don't sit there. I reflect and understand that God has given us the weapons of our warfare. 
to take new ground. You don't need to take a new ground. Just let me sit and rub against that post for a moment. Take new ground. I'm just talking about unsafe family members. I'm talking about communities coming to faith. I'm talking about the glory of God being extended more from this place out from here. I'm I'm talking about take a new spiritual ground. That's what I'm talking about. But the thing is this, if we don't fight, we don't progress. And likewise today, we still have to be bold. We still have to pray with the weapons of our world, that the word of God, praise, fasting, declaration, boldness, all the things he's given to us. The breastplate of right, you're living right before God so the enemy doesn't rip us to shreds. All these things. In the preceding verses and chapters, we just hear about these skirmishes and battles. And I just can't help but think in this second point this morning that if you're believing in something and you're waiting for God to come through, I'd say to you, hang on. God's plans can't be thwarted. And I'd say to you, if you're feeling like you've been beat up this morning, God's got equipment for us so that we can stand strong. He wants to strengthen us. The scripture says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I just love that. You know, I'm gonna share a picture here before we get into the third point, but this is right up my alley because as a 22-year-old, the Lord gave me a picture about the church and uh, this battle that we're in and, and it was in the form of a dream. And let me just say this, it's not authoritative. This was just given to me. Everything has to be tested, but it did paint a bit of a, and give an illustration as to what's going on if we're not prepared to fight. And I found myself in, a, uh, in the dream, another church. And I won't mention which church. No, I'll mention the church. Oh, I don't want to just cause a stir. I'm just like, don't want Dave to pick up too many pieces this morning. <laughs> I was in another church. And, uh, and the pastor, I met the pastor, big church. And there were Christians that I knew, my brother was there and a few others. And, and, and the pastor came up to me and says, I'd like to have a fight. I'm thinking fight. I'm thinking this fight or what fight? It wasn't this fight, it wasn't a physical fight. So we, we, God's not asking us to fight physically. It's in the church, you fight about anything. We're called to fight spiritually. And so he says, I want to fight. I said, all right, let's, let's have a fight. Crazy, I know, but something behind it. And so the 12 of us were there who I knew, and we had lined up, and they had lined up, and we were facing each other like a standoff like you would in an old uh, battle. And they started chanting and doing their thing. And I thought, I thought our prayers would just come through in power and knock them off the box. But what happened, our crew that were along our lines, they started to get sick and they started to fall down and fall over. And I had to carry my brother walking through wherever they touched him, he he got sick. And I was walking out of the church and this lady said to me, would you like some literature? 
I said, why do I want the literature for? He's sick. And she said to me, yeah, I know he's sick, but he doesn't know he's sick. It's up to me to stop them from knowing that they're sick. Like a spirit of deceit. And the thing about that was this, that if we don't have the armour of God on, we won't stand. You know what I mean? It says, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against the principalities, the rulers, the prince of the air. And then it goes on, it says, put the full armour of God on so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you've done everything to stand. And then it says, stand firm then. And we hadn't had our protection on, we weren't mature enough, and we were getting slaughtered by the enemy. And I look at that picture and go, oh, it's so much the church today, the Lord wants to strengthen us and show us the weapons that we've got in order to stand and perhaps take new ground. But we can't, and we're limping along so many of us in the church. We're limping along and we're sick spiritually. And I'd say to you, we're gonna have some prayer afterwards and I'd love to pray for you if you're feeling weak, if you're feeling like there's doubt in what God is. I'd love to pray for you to get you strong in the Lord. Yeah. He wants to heal us so that we can be ministers of the gospel, carriers of his presence. There's a third concept that speaks to us today and the third point is just simply on the screen it's just ask for it ask for it now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb son of Jephunneh the Canaanite said to him you know what the Lord has said to Moses the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me I was 40 years old when, Sir, when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land and I brought him back a report according to my convictions but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. I love this bit, verse 12. If you go down, it says, and Caleb's speaking. He says, now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. Caleb could see that the land hadn't been conquered yet. He could understand that God wanted them to have it. And he approaches Joshua and he reminds Joshua of the story that Moses had spoken about what he could have. And he simply comes, hold on to it, so simple, and he asks for it. He asks for it. Wow. He just simply asked for it. God must love when we ask for things. Not that he forgets, but I say this to our church, some things can't be solved and some things can't be aligned and some things can't be reconciled and made new and made right without prayer, without People simply ask, and you know it. We prayed this morning. I was, I was told that people are praying here from eight o'clock this morning. Go, bless the Lord. At times we're struggling to open the gates at our church at start time. I'm going to change some things, brother, when I get back to our church. 
And so Caleb comes along and he says, now give me, verse 12, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You see, the beautiful point about this, I couldn't help but notice it. Joshua is a type of Christ. Moses is a type of Christ. You've got all the characters who are types of Christ, shadows of Christ. Jesus is the anti-type. Joshua is the type. And what Caleb was doing, he was coming, if you like, to Christ in the shadow of Christ. And he was saying, hey, the land has been promised to me. Now give me this land. I just think that we could find ourselves like Caleb, just simply asking what has been promised to us. Give me this land that has been promised. And what did he do? He came boldly to Joshua. He came confidently to Joshua. And he even said, get this, he says, I've actually been obedient and served God wholeheartedly the whole way. He fulfilled the conditions so that God would release the land. I was praying, I said, Lord, I don't know whether I've fulfilled the conditions. He goes, of course you have. I go, what do you mean? He goes, the condition is this, that you've been washed in the blood of Jesus and you've been made righteous and I put the garment of praise on you. You are righteous and you fulfilled the conditions because as long as we have Christ interceding for us on our behalf, we fulfill the conditions. And so we come to God and you know, he says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. He says in Jeremiah 33, 3, he says, ask of me and I will show you things you've never seen before. He says in the Psalms, oh Lord, I'm not sure if I've arrived there yet, but he says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations. He goes, just, just ask of me. And the Lord's saying, I've got a banqueting table. If you came, come and ask, I'll release my power and provision simply by you asking and take some new land back. Take what's been promised. Oh, what could happen if couples could come and pray for their families? If more people came to the prayer meeting, the power in prayer, who knows what could happen? Now unto him who's able to do immeasurably more than what we can ask, think, or imagine. Ask. And so Caleb comes to Joshua and he asked, him for, asked Joshua for the land to be given to him so he could take it. And in doing so, he's asking for strategy. He's asking for discernment. He's asking for success. He's just asking to get into the prayer closet and just ask. You know, imagine young people there at the back. Imagine if you got excited at, at, at school and you just got a few people around and just started asking for God to move in your school. Imagine if you just get excited in, in the place where God's put you. Imagine you just start asking things of the kingdom, just poking holes in the veil of heaven where God releases his kingdom. Come, take the land. Can you just give me a, I say Pentecostal wave or a Baptist nod. Is this, is this all right? Yeah, brother, bless you. Because I said today, hopefully you don't have to pick up too many pieces this morning. Number four, in taking the land, the spiritual land, spiritual territory, after asking, 
I'll just say this. Number four, get a Caleb spirit. Oh, I love this. Get a Caleb spirit. Get the same attitude as Caleb. Get the same attitude as Caleb. In verse seven, we read about how 45 years earlier, when he was 40 years old, he reminded Joshua of the story of how 12 spies were to go into the promised land to scope it out. And they came back with grapes and pomegranates and milk and honey, and they said, the land's lush and good. And if, I don't know whether you're a vegan or if you eat meat, I just think if there's milk, there's gotta be cows. <laughs> and, and, and bees, and they're just, just, just good. Any vegans? No, okay. just keep your vegan thing. No, sorry. <laughs> and 12 of them came back, but only two of them came back with a good report. They said, it's good. There's giants there, but they said, it was Joshua and Caleb. They said, but we can take the giants. And you know what the 10 of them did? The 10 of them turned the whole nation against Moses, where they rebelled against God. It says in scripture, God was angry. And he goes, mm-mm, you're not, getting, you're not gonna move forward. You're not gonna progress because you don't trust me. You don't have faith in what I've said. You're not getting in except for two men of that generation, Joshua and Caleb. And it says in scripture, it might be on the screen. It says in scripture, Caleb was of another spirit. And this thing that rose up within him back then, and he's saying 45 years later, I'm as strong as what I was back then. And he says, give me the land, give me the hill where the giants are, the Anakites who were related to the Nephilim, the big people. And he goes, I'm still good. It's like he's saying, hey, I know you're looking at me and you're probably seeing that I'm wasting away. Now, the New Testament wasn't written, but I can imagine him quoting the verse, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And he probably would have reached into somewhere and said, hey, the, the, the path of the righteous burns brighter and brighter. There's something within me that I've got still. Within. I'm not useless. I'm not rocking in the corner. I haven't gone to pasture. I'm 85. Think of all the excuses that Caleb could have come up with. And he goes, give me the mountain with the giants. Give me the mountain with the giants. Verse 10, it says, Now then, just as the Lord had promised, He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time He said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong as the day Moses sent me out. I'm still as vigorous to go out to battle as I was then. Something got into him. He says, Give me the territory. You know, as I was praying, just reflect, I was just saying, Lord, I pray and hope and trust and all those things that God would just get into someone today, which would cause them to say, hey, I want to be, and get that Caleb attitude and that Caleb spirit to say, hey, I see the giants. I see the hindrances. I see the blockages, but I don't wrestle with flesh and blood. I stand on what Christ has said. And this is who he says I am. And I'm saying amen to that. Imagine what could happen. Imagine, take the land. I love those old timers. We've got a few in our church. They're about 85 too. Man, 
It says in Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, they received a good report. They received a testimony. First line in the New Revised Standard, it talks about how these old timers received a good testimony because they lived by faith. And they carry something within because they've seen God work and move in amazing ways and they've still got it. They still may not have the energy, but they've still got something in them to go. I say to my church, don't die in the wilderness, church. Don't die. Don't spend 40 years in the wilderness because you're not prepared to fight or because you don't trust God. There, there is promises that God wants to bring to us, inheritance that he wants to give to us. It won't come without a fight. I know it's hard. I know it's confusing. I know there's stuff which goes on, but if we're not in it, we won't receive the rewards and the favor and the success that God's promised. It's an invitation. I heard it firsthand as well. We were trying to build this facility down our way and we're casting the vision and we're talking about what's possible, getting excited. And a bloke comes up to me, he says, looks pretty tough. I said, yes, you know, I get it. It's gonna be a lot of work. I said, yeah, it's a lot of work. Gonna cost a lot of money. I go, I'm bud. In my heart, I go, I'm bud. Don't tell me what I see. We walk by faith and not by sight. Why wasn't it? Why wasn't the first thing that came of your mouth saying, hey, I see there's some, some challenging times ahead, but go forth in the strength that God gives you. Why doesn't he say, mm, bless you. Get into it. And I'll be praying for you. Why wasn't that the first thing said that came out? I, I can see the work. I didn't see the work. I saw what God was gonna do through the work. I say to the church, I said, church, if, you, if you're gonna speak against it, just speak to yourself. Yeah. Because I don't want any bad reports going through the camp. Fear to rise up. No wonder Joshua, when he's getting them to march around the walls of Jericho, he told them, don't speak. Because one of you are gonna think I'm, he's crazy to march around seven times without a word. Like, just, just don't speak. Because if you speak something negative, that's gonna wash through and a little yeast works through the dome. Before you know it, you've got a bunch of people who don't believe. Just guarantee it. And I say this just as I land this thing this morning. He could have offered up excuses. Age, fatigue, done my work, next generation. Everyone has a part to play. But I'd say this, it only starts with one person who wants to get involved in the kingdom things. It only starts with one man, one woman to understand what Christ has promised us, to understand what's in us. And dare I say it, to start a fight, to take new land. Just one story, just as a finish. I first started in ministry and we're just trying to get the wheels spinning. Praying real hard we were. <laughs> And a guy comes to our door. Now we're down in Port Adelaide, way. And this guy knocks on the door and, and let me just paint a picture. He had this sort of greasy long hair and I'm not looking at anyone in case you got greasy long hair this morning. <laughs> he, had, he had missing teeth and he had this smell on him and he looked quite scary. 
And he said, are you, the, are you the pastor? And I was so scared. I said, look, I mean, I was the only pastor. I said, I'm, I'm just one of the pastors. <laughs> I thought we're all pastors, ministers. And he comes in and he, and he says, um, he goes, I know a bit about the Lord. He goes, why don't you test me? Strange conversation. I said, all right. I said, who did God make his first promise to the covenant? He goes, well, that's easy, Abraham. I said, well, who was his son? Isaac, Jacob. Oh, very good. I gave him my best and he came up trumps. He was answering everything. And uh, halfway through, I'm thinking this guy's an angel. Now, don't go and say, Jeremy, sorry, I'm not saying I saw an angel. I just started thinking, this guy's an angel. He was telling me about the throne room of heaven from Ezekiel and all this stuff. I'm going, mm, who is this guy? I knew the scripture says some, sometimes we entertain angels without knowing it. And he looks around. No one's there. It's just him and I. He looks around. And he goes, something's happening around here. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, something has started here. There's a movement here. I want to get to it. I said, what do you mean? He goes, it only takes one person to start a fight. I'm thinking, who is this guy? He's ministering to me. He was, he was telling me what's going on. I said to him, now you won't believe this, but I said to him, I said, mate, I said, where are you from? And without a word of a lie, he said, look, he goes, I just float around. <laughs> he said, I just float around. I said, stop it. And the point is this, if you've got ears to hear, if God's doing something in you, if you wanna see something restored and reconciled to God, if you wanna see the glory of God and spiritual territory extended, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And He's put Hills Baptist Church so the glory of the Lord will cover this place like the waters cover the sea, as the, as the, as the waters cover the earth. And so, if, God's speaking to you. Just to review those four points this morning there, if that's you this morning, just would love to hear a little bit the four points of what we've gone through. Might be an encouragement to us. God will accomplish great things and no plans of His will be thwarted. So if you're thinking, Jeremy, I'm just, I don't know where it's at. My faith is weak. Let me just encourage you again. God will bring to pass what He said. He will. The second point there, we must fight if we wanna progress. Oh, there's no choice. You've been enlisted in God's army. Put the armour of God on that you may stand. And the third one, we must ask Him. And the fourth and final one, get a Caleb spirit. Beautiful. I don't want to go on, but if you just bow your heads this morning, we're going to have a response time. If any of those four points, what we've come through, if anything has resonated with you this morning, just with heads bowed, eyes closed, we just lift your hand to go, yeah, that's me. Thank you for that. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. I'd love to pray for you. I'm not going to overcook it, but I'd love to pray for you. If you're feeling like you want prayer, discernment, success, strengthening. There's a team of people who are gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for you as well. It says through the laying of hands, stir up the gift that's in you. Pray some promises over you. Ask the Lord to dislodge some blockages, to give some discernment, to give some strategy. Just ready to pray.
love to pray for you. If you feel you wanna progress and take something back, what the enemy has stolen. If you've got unsaved loved ones, I wanna stand with you in prayer. So Lord, we declare them for Jesus. They will be saved in Jesus' name. We ask that the, 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 the scales would fall off. We know that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. We're gonna ask for the scales to come off in Jesus' name. You might be a little bit lethargic or passive. So I'm not really feeling it. We're gonna pray God's promises and ask God to reawaken you. Revive us, O oh Lord. But I ask that if that's you this morning as we stand or sing, how we do that, that if you'd like prayer, there's people here ready to pray. And let this be a moment today where we've met with the living God and something shifted in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. <laughs> what can we say? We, we wanna just affirm our love and affection toward you, knowing that you're still on the throne. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you died for us, that your blood is sufficient to cover all sin. You cast our sin and you take it and remove it as far as this is from the West. You, you do great things. Father, for those who need healing, restoration, strengthening, encouragement, Lord, pour out your Spirit. Father, you said in the last days, you pour out your Spirit on all flesh. Father, we receive with open hearts and we come humbly before you and say, Lord, here we are, fill us to overflowing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, God bless. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.